Ven a JCPenney y termina tus compras navideñas con brillantes descuentos como hasta 70% en joyería después del cupón. Además tenemos velas, mantas suavecitas y más desde $7.99 y miles de doorbusters en marcas como Adidas, Champion, Disney y Carters. Recoge tu pedido el mismo día. Es rápido y gratis. Estará listo en dos horas o menos hasta las 3 p.m. en Nochebuena. JCPenney, celebraciones que valen la pena. Ofertas válidas hasta el 24 de diciembre en selección de estilos. Aplican exclusiones. Doorbusters excluyen de los cupones. Detalles en la tienda jcp.com. From the studios of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C., you are on the Hill. Tom Fitzgerald here with you. This time on the Hill, we are joined by the District of Columbia's Member of Congress, Delegate Eleanor Holmes Norton. She has been a representative of D.C. on Capitol Hill for a quarter century now. And if that sounds long, it's because it is. She's <laughs> one of the most well-known members of Congress, and we are pleased to have her uh, join us on the podcast here on the Hill. Uh, thanks Terrific for joining us. Terrific to be with you, Tom. Really good. Uh, you know, you and I, uh, uh, we, we talk a lot when we're reporting news stories, so I've really been looking forward to being able to sit down and, and have these discussions with you. A real conversation. A real Tom? conversation. <laughs> Although we, we, we've talked for, ye for, for, for years ourselves. I, I want people to understand your job and your unique role yeah. on the Hill because people know you. People across the country know you um what is the job of a delegate and how have you been able despite some of the obstacles that have been placed in your way mm -hmm. become this voice that so many people recognize around the world well the first thing you do as a quote delegate is not walk in the house talking about what you can't do well the for for example when i walked into the house uh i had been a tenured professor of law at georgetown I looked at what I could do. I could vote in committee. I said, well, don't we meet on the House floor in committee? Yes, sometimes we meet in the committee of the whole. So I went to Tom Foley, who was in the speaker, mm -hmm. and said, if I vote in committee, indeed, I now chair a subcommittee. I'm going to chair a full committee. Uh, not then, but now. Uh, I said, if I can vote in committee, why can't I vote in the committee of the whole? He said, well, Eleanor, you're asking to vote on the House floor. I said, yeah, if that's where the committee of the whole meets. Now, what's my reasoning? The committee of the whole, like the committees in which I vote, is a creature of the rules of the House, not the Constitution. So he said, Eleanor, I think I'm going to have to send this out to outside sources. <laughs> they came back and said, yep, she can do it. Republicans then sued mm -hmm. to keep me from voting on the House floor, took it to the Court of Appeals, lost and I voted on the House floor. When they took the majority, and Tom, I remind you, I have been in the minority most of my time in the Congress, so I had to get things done from that perch. They took back my vote. With Democrats now in power, I was given my vote in January back again, and I have now presided mm -hmm. as Speaker of the House as well. That's amazing. You know, The reason the situation exists is because the District of Columbia is not a state. And the not yet monic not yet um, and the moniker that is on the license plates of the city holds true. This is taxation without representation. Um, we have disenfranchised voters in the in the District of Columbia, and you've been fighting this fight for a long time. Could I? You know, this is a very important point you brought up. The people I represent, seven hundred and seven hundred thousand of them, are number one in taxes paid 
to support the federal government. That's more than New York and California and New Jersey and Idaho. Mm -hmm. And yet we are the Americans who have no vote in the House, no final vote in the House, and no senators. I like, you know, for years I've been using this line on people when they complain about Washington. Washington this and Washington that. Why does Washington do this? And I always point out to them that Washington (laughs) doesn't get to elect any senator or full-fledged congressman or congresswoman to the government. But yet people in all 50 states who do get to do that and don't even think twice about it, and some of them don't even take the time to cast that vote and use that right, turn around and blame Washington for their problems while the people in this city don't have what's Mm -hmm. fully entitled to them. And that mixture between Washington and the District of Columbia can be very confusing to people. In fact... Is that part of the problem, though? Because people mix that up. It is part of the problem. But they have begun to see us as different places, Washington and and the District of Columbia. Uh, And I have had to make clear... The, the difference between the two, for, for example, most people, Tom, think we have the same rights they do. Perhaps that's the most frustrating part of my job, that they, they see me, they see me on the House floor, they mm-hmm. see me pass bills, so they don't see any difference. Uh, so this has been, if anything, an impediment to making people understand why we need statehood. There's been movement lately, um, and movement that a lot of people think could possibly, finally, be the seed that actually does produce result. What's going on right now that's different than what has come on before? Tom, the first thing that's going on now is that the Democrats took over the House. The Republicans have not only no interest in in statehood, they have tried to take away home rule that we do have. Uh, So the bill has got lots of legs, more than two, for example, it's got 202 co-sponsors. We only need 218 to pass. The Speaker of the House, in virtually her first statement, uh, spoke out strongly for D.C. statehood and that it was a historic wrong. Chuck Schumer, the, the leader of the Democratic leader of the Senate, has three democracy bills pending before the Senate: the Voting Rights Act. a bill for automatic registration and D.C. statehood. Every Democratic senator is on the bill. Uh, H.R. 1, which is the pro-democracy bill, basically a national bill, uh, has D.C. statehood, and it has been voted out of the House, so those members have already voted for D.C. statehood. There's been a couple different ideas floated over the years about how representation for for D.C. taxpayers would work. One of these ideas has been that we don't make D.C. the 51st state, that we create another congressional district or one of Maryland or Virginia's congressional members would represent half of the district. Maybe another would represent half of the other one. When you look at those ideas, um, you're, you're, you're not a fan of that. You want statehood. Well, Carving up the only, district isn't and this, really um, you, the answer. You've raised an important question because not only am I, <laughs> district residents, not mm-hmm. a fan of that, those states are not a fan of that. 
there was a bill actually pending in the Congress for a few years to retrocede, retrocession, mm-hmm. the district uh, t- back to Maryland. Um, then there was a poll done. The Democrats are very kind about it. They just don't speak about it. Mm-hmm. But there was a poll done of what voters think of retrocession. Overwhelmingly, they oppose retrocession. That is not D.C. voters. And those are Maryland vo- voters. Vo- those Maryland, are Maryland, voters. Maryland voters don't want why is that? It's not because of, well, these are our good friends. It's because they recognize that they have a history of their own, and we recognize we have a history of We can't be absorbed. Mm-hmm. This is one of the oldest jurisdictions in the United States, created in 1801. We have our own culture. We are our own people. We are the size of seven states. Make us a state and get it over with. When you look at the issue, though, taxation, and the people who are being taxed being represented, it sounds like something that Republicans would flock to because that's what they talk about all the time. Getting representation, getting service for the tax dollars you pay. What is the holdup on the other side of the aisle? One of their great themes is don't tax us, period. So the whole notion of taxing people without representation you think would be more anathema to, to, to Republicans than to Democrats. What about local control? This is the party, this, the Republicans, are the party of local control. Often they oppose federal bills because they say, no, only the local jurisdiction can do that. Why not apply that to your own capital city? One of the things that gets thrown in the face of the district when it comes up to this subject or some of the things that go on in local government. We've got a council member right now who's investigation under investigation for influence peddling, Jack Evans. We've had other members of the council go to prison on various other investigations. It seems like people like to drag that out and hit the district over the head with it as a reason why we should not mm-hmm. have statehood. Um, Speak to... Go to any state and ask them about corruption, which will come up in their state all the well, time. Well, I grew up in New Jersey, and they're not kicking New Jersey out of the, <laughs> out of the United States you anytime a, soon. You sure named a good yeah, state for that. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and ask if anyone has ever raised, take away the voters' rights because some people wanted to. It's insulting. Commit a, absolutely, to the whole state. Yeah. Yes, and to the District of Columbia. Yeah, there'll be occasional problems here, but the district has done pretty well uh, in recent years. District's actually doing very well right now. Almost $3 billion surplus. It's an amazing story because, you know, when you look at the days of the Financial Control Board and where this city was, where this district was. You remember. It, I remember. It, it's one of the probably greatest success stories in this country, you know, we get a little myopic in our area mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. because we're always kind of focusing on us. But, you know, I go to Cleveland on occasion where my in-laws live and they talk about D.C. They want to do there in a different way. Their 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 rebound is centered on, on, a, on a medical angle around the Cleveland Clinic. But they look at D.C. and they look at the district as an example of what they want to be. <laughs> Uh, it's attractive to people because they see what's been able to do, be mm-hmm. done here. One of the reasons Amazon decided to come to this region. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked about the, fir- the the fight to make D.C. the 51st state. We've talked about uh, this issue at home rule. 
let's talk a little bit about what's going on in your party right now because you've got a great gift that a lot of people don't have and that's vision because you've seen a lot you've seen a lot come and you've seen a lot go this is a very particular moment in history right now for the democrats an enormous win an enormous win in the midterm elections but almost immediately turmoil because of a new crop of freshmen in your caucus now that have kind of stirred up the waters mm-hmm. um talking about you know Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. We're talking about uh, Elon Omar. We're talking about some of the other freshman members of coming. Has this been a, a healthy thing or a disruptive thing for Democrats at a time where you really kind of wanted to turn up the heat on Donald Trump? Well, it's, it's it's a kind of Democratic Party thing because it points up the diversity of our party. Uh, our party, I think, is beginning to focus not on the, the couple of members who've been controversial, but on the members who gave us the majority. Mm -hmm. And those were not those members you see out there in front that the press takes on. Those are uh, members from Republican states. And these people are here by 52%, 53%. So we wanna hug those people and, and make those people our majority or our most visible majority. Well, I'll give you an example. We'll just go back up to New Jersey for a minute. Um, there was a Mickey Shirell, who's one of your new colleagues, Congresswoman uh, Mickey Shirell. She is now representing a district that for 33 years was held by Republicans. Flip former the district. Congressman uh, Rodney Freeland has it. That is now a Democratic district. Mm-hmm. And what's significant about her is that she's not alone. You look at Spanberger down in Virginia. You look at Wexton in Virginia. Women have not only busted through the door on Capitol Hill, but it seems to be a steamroller movement. Now, Donald Trump got up at the State of the Union. You were there that night. You were dressed in white along with your colleagues and said, it's thanks to me. (laughs) But be careful what you ask for, because (laughs) the reason so many women got into this race, in a way, he kind of was right about that, was a reaction to Donald Trump. He was the attraction. When women saw what Donald Trump was doing to women, how he spoke about women, they said it's time for women to take charge. And that's why we had another year of the woman. You remember we had a year of the woman in the early 90s? <laughs> this was a real year of the woman yeah. uh, because so many women came to the Congress and they are spreading their wings all over the Congress and leadership and chairs of committees. Uh, women have taken power in the Congress. Uh, let's talk about that leadership. Uh, you've known Nancy Pelosi for a long time. Talk about taking power. Yeah. First woman speaker in the history of the United States. Twice. Um, you've traveled the world with her. Um, as we sit here now in April, it's head-scratching to think back in December, there was some talk that some of the Democrats wanted to jettison her. Uh, she not only regained that speaker's gavel, but has been um, a, a very strong voice in opposition to the President of the United States, yeah. in some ways more so than Charles Schumer. What is it about her that she seems to be able to get her arms not only around very different parts of your own Democratic Party, but maybe quell some of these things that, that could rise up and, and cause trouble mm-hmm. under somebody else's watch? Well, quiet as it's kept. Nancy Pelosi is a real Paul, Mm -hmm. (laughs) a woman who understands how to deal politically. Now, these people, 
by the way, those were members sitting in the Congress. I don't know what in the world they were thinking. None of them were running, but they said, we don't need Nancy Pelosi to be the speaker. By the way, they had no alternative. I was bemused by this. By the way, these people are now mea culpa all over the place. Mm -hmm. She stood up to Donald Trump. Uh, They remember, most of us remember, if you want a speaker, you want somebody who knows how to cut through the morass. How did we get the Affordable Health Care Act, please? We weren't supposed to get it. Even the President, Obama, gave up on getting it. She got it through two houses. Paul, she knows how to deal with her own members. She knows how to deal with Republicans. And yes, she knows how to deal with the President of the United States, whoever he is. During the Brett Kavanaugh hearings, um, there was a, a day in the Mansfield room inside the Capitol. Um, you were there. Uh, where a group of uh, lawmakers, female lawmakers, came together in opposition to Brett Kavanaugh. And and you were there that day to remind people that this wasn't the first time you'd been in this position. You were on the front lines uh, during the Clarence Thomas. And Anita Hill. And Anita Hill. Mm -hmm. Um, As you look back now, we're six months down the line from the Brett Kavanaugh hearings. We look at this uh, overwhelming number of women who have come into the Congress uh, elected uh, in you know, their first terms. Um, you talked about the year of a woman years ago and it really being the year of the woman now. Are, are we at a moment in time now where we're going to get to the point where it's not going to be a, a surprising thing mm-hmm. that the, the, the events of the day have, have really been a catalyst for women now and it'll be a regular thing that they mm-hmm. are in a position of power not not a interesting mm-hmm. eye-opening thing we're too far from that i mean yeah. what, what do we have even with the women who came into the congress we're not 25 percent in the house mm. we may be 25 percent by the way in the senate uh this unequal albeit through through democracy representation has a lot to do with why we still have to talk about things like year of the woman i don't want a year of the woman mm. I just want women in power. Well, we also found in the Me Too movement as well, too, there um, was a a greater understanding about how common that experience was. You know, one of your own colleagues, Jackie Spear, had to, you know, get up and relate Mm -hmm. what had happened to her Mm -hmm. as, as, you know, as Mm -hmm. a congressional staffer during her career. All of this has helped to bring about the year of women. People recognize Mm -hmm. if women were in power, you wouldn't have this kind of stuff happening. And I think it's educating men who are in power as well. In some ways, is what's going on on Capitol Hill right now maybe long-term more important than whether or not we have a woman president? Because we're seeing the you know, difference that, and we're seeing the I impact. Think that is, you, you, the reason I think that's a decent point, we've had a black president. Mm-hmm. That didn't change in any wholesale way uh, the condition of black people. It sure helped a lot. So I I do think one figure at the top in a democracy is not as meaningful as having the entire body that represents your Congress Mm -hmm. reflect who that body is. And and we know that 52% of the population is women. Mm -hmm. Uh, You mentioned President Obama being the first African-American president of the United States. Um, That was an event that I think uh, changed people's vision as to what is possible in this country, and you took part in an event yesterday, the Emancipation um, Parade uh, here in Washington, um, which, you know, a lot of people 
you know, look at the current troubles we have with, you know, civil rights and racial relations in this country. And I think the message is we're better than we were, but we are not a long shot mm -hmm. where we need to be. And when you look at emancipation, I want to ask you about your grandfather, because you have a personal connection with this story as well, too. Tell people about that. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Emancipation Day. That makes me think of my grandfather because Emancipation uh, Day commemorates the day when Lincoln freed the slaves. This is during the Civil War, nine months before the Emancipation Proclamation. Now, for us, that's an opportunity to talk about D.C. statehood and full freedom for the District of Columbia, which we still don't have. But for me, it's a time to think about my great-grandfather, Richard Holmes, who on Emancipation Day was not free because he was a runaway slave. He had to wait for the Emancipation Proclamation. So how, how did Richard Holmes get here? Why my third-generation Washingtonian? He simply walked off of a plantation. We don't tell heroic stories of Richard Holmes. He looked when nobody was looking. He got the hell out of that plantation, <laughs> came to Washington, worked on the streets of Washington, and the story that has been handed down to my family is one that I have tried to inculcate as a matter of how to, how to make yourself more disciplined. Apparently, in working on the streets of Washington, uh, you found slave masters going all, all through those streets. The reason that slaves were hired in the first place is there weren't enough people here to mm -hmm. build the Washington itself. That's why the Capitol was built by slaves. For God's the sake. White House and the Capitol e building exactly. itself. Yeah. So the, uh, these, uh, these slave masters, the valuable property, would go all over the streets looking for their slave. And he, the man who owned my great-grandfather came upon him in the streets, called out his name, Richard. Uh, and Richard kept digging whatever he was doing. The Slave master went over to the straw boss, obviously a white man, and said, that is my Negro, and I've come to get him. He said, um, that can't be. He never even answered to that name. <laughs> he protected Richard, and that's how he got to stay here. That's a great so story. This city means a great deal to my family. Do you view that as a um, responsibility, uh, something that I has do. fueled you throughout your career? I, I really do. Mm -hmm. It means, you know, somebody laid down roots for you long ago you were fortunate enough to represent this city you better do something with it <laughs> i think it's important people know that because you know a lot of people look at you and they wonder where does she get the energy she has <laughs> and you Richard know Holmes. that's some of the rocket fuel for you <laughs> yeah. though isn't it it really is rocket fuel you yeah. look if you went to segregated schools in the district of columbia as i did uh wondered what is wrong with these people that they segregate us out of other people uh, if you uh, grew up in this town, that'll fuel you right there. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm proud to graduate from Dunbar High School, this college preparatory high school. Anybody could go there. Mm -hmm. But it was a segregated high school. One of my favorite stories here at Fox 5 a number of years ago involving you was one of my former colleagues, Karen Gray Houston, who I miss terribly. Oh, yes. Came across some mugshots in an old police department down south <laughs> and one of them was a guy <laughs> a guy reverend martin luther king and one of them was a young woman <laughs> who looks suspiciously like you congresswoman um tell people that story well i spent some of the best days of my life in, in mississippi uh in in the student nonviolent coordinating committee here i'm from washington the 
sit-in movement breaks out. I'm in law school. I said, I got to get there. That's, that's why I went south and got involved in the civil rights movement in the south. Washington had already in- integrated. The schools had been, been integrated. Mm-hmm. The place to go was go south, young woman. <laughs> One of the things, you know, when I looked at that picture, uh, it struck me that even though it was a, a much younger picture <laughs> of you, it's still you. You, you still imbue that sense of determination. We could even see it in your eyes in the picture, <laughs> kind of narrowing your brows. And you want to take my picture? Here I am a little bit. Does, does today's current generation understand the civil rights struggle in, in what your generation went through to force the changes that have been made and still work on the changes that still need to be made. Oh, they, 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 you know, they don't, they don't have to protest against segregation anymore. But what I love about this generation is that they have translated uh, our movement into their own. That's how you get Me Too. That's how you get people protesting in the streets when black men are shot down and police are not punished. That's their version of the civil rights movement. But it's not enough to just protest, right? You, like, well, you were, you, like you were talking about with women in Congress. You need to get on those city councils. You rep- need to be in a position where you hire the police chief. Well, the, and these protesters are deep into representation. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is exactly what they mean to do. We were protesting because we wanted to change the system. They want to represent the system so the black men aren't. They can appoint, as you say, the police chief. And black men aren't struck down in the in the streets, and you don't even have a trial to see who is at fault. So I do think that that's what they want. I think the Me Too movement, the women's movement, has is a translation from my version of the women's movement. When we, when 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 women, for example, didn't. Uh, I remember when there were men's columns and women's columns mm-hmm. in, in the Help Wanted ads. Mm-hmm. So each, so I think it's important for those of us who broke ground in the women's movement and the civil rights movement not to say, why aren't you fighting the same fights we fought? If you're fighting the same fights we fought, then we haven't won. You're fighting the remainder of those fights, but new fights have come forward, and you're using what we did, translating it, into your terms and making headway. Do you ever get tired? Why would you? <laughs> <laughs> so much to do. You, you don't. You, you don't really ever do seem to get tired of us, do you? Yeah. You know, your energy comes from what yeah. you see around you. You know, you, when you're still <laughs> look look representing the District of Columbia, mm-hmm. it it either makes you mad or gives you energy. Mm-hmm. I'd rather take the energy. Before we leave, I want to talk about uh, something you've become known for, and is that is your questioning style in committee hearings. It is legendary. People know that when they show up at a hearing, and if you are on that panel, they better bring their A game because you're going to bring your A game. Well, I want to get a little inside baseball here. I watch all kinds of congressional hearings. We saw last week some member of Congress on the Republican side try to question John Kerry on climate change because John Kerry had a political science degree and that's not being a science which was universally and thank goodnessly uh, mocked <laughs> endlessly on Twitter for the idea that that would come into somebody's head when, when you go into a hearing how much preparation 
do you do? How much it reading does, do you have to do? No, it does take some preparation. Yeah. It does take some preparation. And I bring that from my work as a lawyer. It's your background in law. Yeah. yeah. A- as a tenured professor of law, I didn't go in a classroom to teach law uh, without doing my homework. So you, you are given information. How quickly in an answer do you know when somebody's not answering your question? They're just trying to play Pretty out the clock. Pretty quickly because you've done your homework. And dodging co- congressional... Uh, dodging members when they ask questions has become an art form mm-hmm. unless you make it your art form. That seems to be the standard now in a lot of hearings that oh, you go up there and you say nothing. Yeah. And, and, and so unless you are equipped to come back at them, if you only have a kind of question in your mind, mm-hmm. frankly, if you're not equipped to cross-examine, to use that word, mm-hmm. then I don't think you'll get much from that hearing. And they know that and they're counting on the member who's questioning them not knowing what they're talking about. So if they could dance through the first part of the question, they can get to a second question. Because they are experts. They don't send up, (laughs) you don't send up staff. They send up, they send up experts. And so if if members of Congress aren't prepared to be their own version of experts, that doesn't mean we know everything about all of what they're going to say. But we, 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 we look at the the committee gives us background. Now, if you want to just go (laughs) in there and wing it, then who you're questioning will get the best of you instead of the other way around. This is not done mean-spiritedly. We're trying to get at what we can't get at otherwise. And therefore, you have to draw it out of people. Is, is, is that the visual part of your job that people see um, the most when they see you in those hearings? And, and you know, you know, w- whenever we're in the newsroom and there's a hearing on and you pop up, <laughs> people turn the volume <laughs> up because, you know, uh, and, and your, 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 your colleague, Congressman Cummings, as well, too. We know you're going to hold people's feet mm. to the fire. Uh, I- is that your, your, your mindset when you're in that moment? You're in the batter's box and, you know, batter's you're about box. to throw, throw a pitcher? Yeah, you, you're at the batter's box. You're up. Yeah. <laughs> And so what, what are you going to do with it? Remember, we each have the same amount of minutes. Five minutes, Congresswoman Norton. Mm-hmm. So you better get your question. You may have ten questions. Mm-hmm. Somebody's already asked one of them, so you've got to figure out which question you're going to ask. So that, that's mm-hmm. part of the skill you learn as, from being a member of Congress. We can't thank you enough for uh, spending some extra time with us today on the On the Hill podcast. It's really been a pleasure having you here. Delighted. And, and uh, it, it's, it's great to finally uh, sit down and talk without, without the clock that we are usually <laughs> under. So it's been a pleasure. She is uh, the District of Columbia's member of Congress. She is Delegate Eleanor Holmes Norton, and we've been uh, fortunate enough to have her here on the Hill this morning. From the studios of Fox 5 in Washington, you've been listening to the On the Hill podcast. We thank you for joining us this time, and we'll see you next time on the Hill. Ven a JCPenney y termina tus compras navideñas con brillantes descuentos como hasta 70% en joyería después del cupón. Además tenemos velas, mantas suavecitas y más desde $7.99 y miles de doorbusters en marcas como Adidas, Champion, Disney y Carters. Recoge tu pedido el mismo día. Es rápido y gratis. Estará listo en dos horas o menos hasta las 3 p.m. en Nochebuena. JCPenney, celebraciones que valen la pena. Ofertas válidas hasta el 24 de diciembre en selección de estilos. Aplican exclusiones. Doorbusters excluyen de los cupones. Detalles en la tienda jcp.com.